So <clears throat> the field to cultivate, the best field to cultivate is the is the Dhamma field, um, the field of truth, the field of realization, um, the field where there's a sense of things settling and difficulties dissolving and fruitfulness arising. Mm. Um, the Dhamma field and. You know, we have our kind of acquisition field, our personal field with its accumulations and profiles and landscape. It has a mesmerizing, uh, gripping quality to it. And, uh, and, and it's always kind of incomplete in many ways. It's unresolved. It's heaving and moving and areas are foggy and areas are volatile and it's difficult. And, uh, we live in a, a pretty... Uh, abused, um, abusive and abused uh, field of experience mm, with all kinds of wounding uh, occurring and having occurred and being still held. Mm. So, you know, we don't, to somehow be aware of that, yeah, not to go into it too deeply without the tools, without the skills, without the um, power of the Dhamma to, to um, uh, resolve these, all this stuff. <coughs> and the understanding is that the Dhamma field is actually wider and larger than the acquisition the personal field. Mm. That's why it is a refuge. It can carry, it can take, it can dissolve our our acquisitions. If it were not the case, it would not be a liberating teaching, would it? Yeah. If only a bit of you could get liberated, it wouldn't be very far. But it's, it's something that can take all of it and offer this uh, uh, way in which this, this, these experiences can be depotentized. So the landscape is kept alive and felt and experienced and often reiterated time and time again in many situations. We different places, different people, the same kind of uh oh or the same uh oh or the same, you know, occurring because although the sensory landscape has changed, the inner landscape remains hasn't changed. Um, so it's still potent, it's still got the possibility of triggering and, and, and arising. So this is the Sankara, this kind of volatile quality that's there in that. So the refrain is this is um, peaceful, this is sublime, the stilling of Sankara. And then the relinquishment of acquisitions this, this the breaking up of craving, the dispassion ceasing, nibbana. Mm. 
the ceasing of the struggling and the and the tension and the these upheavals and nibbana. So this is one of those phrases that's iterated a few times in the suttas, and it says one one turns one's jitta thus, <laughs> which is <laughs> one turns one's jitta thus, you know, to the to the aggregates, to the landscape, you know, and with this turning one's jitta thus to this to our to our landscape, uh, uh, this is the stilling of that upheaval potency. This is the relinquishment of the acquisition, the learnt pattern, the acquired memory, the traumatized uh, reaction. This is where it's gone, and destruction of craving, thirst to be, to have, um, because with the acquisitions, relinquished, then the very belief or instinct towards acquisition also goes. Mm. Nothing to crave for. Uh, Dispassion is a cooling of of the, the energy cool, steadies, ceasing of these formations nibbana mm. so one turns one's chitta thus <laughs> to the deathless mm. so this is quite an enigmatic uh, phrase because what's a chitta how do you turn it <laughs> who turns it <laughs> And where, how the, you know, the aggregates, is the jitter in the aggregates, away from the aggregates, where does that all fit? We're trying to kind of map it out, but it doesn't explain it, it just so you do it. And you know, so, you know, but definitely there's some sense in which there's this possibility of disengaged, you know, so we're not, jitter isn't just kind of, kind of scrambling over the landscape scurrying around looking for safe places trying to find somewhere to go it's steps back steps off you could say this is the territory you know as a disengaged which is not dissociation it's not like i don't know nothing to do with me it's yeah you're aware of it but now you're you're in your helicopter and you've lifted off the ground a little and you you know (laughs) yeah so you're kind of not there in it but you're not away from it either you know and so this is naturally where we get the possibility to, to survey and you know, and then the response from that disengaged place, the responses of these Dhamma qualities that can bring around the stilling, the cooling, the relinquishments. Mm-hmm. And then we have these various tools. Well, sounds a bit clunky, but various expressions of kindness, of mindfulness, of restraint, of renunciation, of patience, this vast cluster that can be constellated in accordance with what's needed. So this disengagement is the, um, uh, probably the, you know, the thing to keep bearing in mind because it doesn't sound very effective, does it? 
you really want to get in there and get your hands on stuff and sort it out. Um, but this is rather like someone in the, you know, in, in going through the jungle in the forest and they're trying to cut a trail and they decide they're going to they're going to engage with a creeper to sort it out and it just gets around their neck and they engage with it. <laughs> they're all wrapped up in it. The point was to go down the trail, not to engage with all the every creeper that's and, and that's coming down. So you just skip that one or step around that one, and and because uh, you want to move through the territory, not get stuck in it. By how do we get stuck in it? We think about it, we worry about it, we identify with it, we wonder why am I this way? We wonder how can I not be this way? We wonder what we can do to make ourselves not like this, and whose fault it was, and how long it's going to take me to do, and what's the proper st- strategy to operate. And this is, you can feel the kind of, the doer comes in and gets very busy. And then this year in the creeper, the creepers have got you. You're kind of wrapped up about and tightened up. And certainly this is one of those the mistakes that can occur in, in, in a Dhamma practice. And everybody makes these mistakes. Fortunately, it's not fatal. Eventually you kind of, uh, somebody cuts off the creep before you or you get out of it and then you learn. This is how you learn trail work. (laughs) 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 But it does require, you know, eventually we've got to keep, because this disengaged thing, it it doesn't sound very useful. (coughs) But it is perhaps the thing we need to bear in mind because it's not, a sort of I- attractive, uh, you know, powerful concept, but it is very. It's the you know, step out of the drama. You know, uh, yes, this definitely needs to be solved, resolved, uh, sorted out. Uh, you know, it's so important to sort it out that I shouldn't let the self get involved with this because that self thing is really just all creeper. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I was trying, you know, constellate the Dharma potencies to do that. You know, so if I get my the self mechanisms just to step back with their, let's get on with this, rush through it. I've got to make this happen. Um, I am, I'm not, all that stuff. Just, just back off, and uh, you know, in that disengaged place. So we move through the territories. Disengaged, and this quality of it's an openness, and then perhaps this sense of the aspiration. You know, one wishes to. Uh, you know, disengagement is not a final thing in it at all. It's just an initiator, and then from there we get that heart sense of, yeah, I, you know, I, I, there's something to be resolved here, and aspiration, and then this quality, ardency or ardor. So kind of one becomes keen. There's a warming of potential. Yeah. So it's not just that I'm shrinking back. It's a sense of it allows potential to warm up. And this is the key to what we call energy. Energy g- gathers. Um, and until the energy gathers, uh, in only in tandem with the gathering e- the energy can one really effectively you have effort. See, so primary effort is just to disengage 
and let energy gather. Mm. And it, it is, so, yeah, so this is not like me get on with it. It's just sitting back and then feeling a sense of I'm in my space, I'm safe, I'm grounded. Yeah, I've got the quality of safety. Yeah, I'm not frantic. Yeah, and now there's a sense of, you know, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready. Things are gathering, things are warming. Mm. And so and then one be this happens. And it's very much this is the not self um, theme of Dhamma practice. We generate the space and we allow and we attend and we invite these qualities to to be present. That's why there's this kind of humility and respect so much in our practice. It's not I'm going to muscle in there and sort it out, but you know, I bow, make myself available. You see, almost ask for guidance sounds kind of theistic, doesn't it? But then, yeah. Right, let's start. So the right effort then is just the first effort is to avoid the unskillful. Right? To avoid the unskillful. So you don't go blundering down a trail and fall into the first pit <laughs> or go straight into the, the brambles or the briar patch, you know. <laughs> you avoid the unskillful. <laughs> so just, you know, that's your first effort. And it doesn't mean stop thinking. In fact, it certainly does not mean stop thinking. It doesn't mean, you know, um, be happy or pure. It just means to to notice the unskillful tendencies yeah. and then hold back. Now that may not sound like much effort, but you don't want to make much effort because still your energy is not that strong. It may be, you know, very concerned, but really the actual juice in your tank is probably not as strong as your willpower and your desperation <laughs> to find results. But real potent energy is not there at first. It comes in. Certainly one can be deeply interested as an idea, but having the resources takes a little time to gather. And many people in in life and come to retreats are quite severely depleted in my estimation. It's just because it's a very exhausting uh, condition we live in. Even if you're not working, just bearing with the amount of emotional violation going on is, is draining, keeping one's spirits halfway intact in such breakage is, is, is it takes it takes a lot of energy and faith just to you know to stay sort of grounded and steady it's grounded steady disengaged and then waiting for the potentials to arise and we begin with this sensing in our body because our mind can come to all kinds of ideas of what we should or could be and then really feeling it in your body. The body doesn't lie. 
doesn't isn't deceived. And so it may take if we're doing a retreat, it can take well, you know, two or three days or so, maybe a day if, if you're in good shape. <laughs> two or three days just to feel the sense of energies coming back. Mm-hmm. And this is certainly with a lot of safe boundaries and not doing and the sense of being uh, removing difficult influences as best one can. Just to gather that and then and then just keep steering away from the unskillful tendencies and some of these can be impatience, rushing, trying to make something happen, you know, agitated energy, uh, complaining about oneself, uh, berating oneself, mm. just steering away from that. You're using energy in a negative way, just steering away from that. And if, if you want to have a positive to incline towards, it's the positive is the quality of good heart. <coughs> mm. that's, a, that's the atmosphere of our practice. And, yeah. and embodiment. Coming into embodiment. Uh, again, for many people, the way circumstances are, life is really lived from the chin upwards. It's the head experience. So just coming into embodiment takes a certain application. Um, so then there's that positive effort to fully sense the body, to become more whole. So inclining away from the unskillful, which takes you out, uh, scatters, um, causes negative ripples to occur, coming out of that, refraining from it, checking it, Every time it happens, checking and then returning to simple health. So the skillful, the wholesome, also carries the word kusala, also carries the, the sense of uh, you know, healthy. So these, these terms cross boundaries that we would call mental and physical. They're both. It's holistic. So the good feels good. And you feel it, it's got a certain replenishing quality to it. And we can find this most directly mirrored in our bodies, in the bodily sense. And clearly the mind begins to just get this quality called pomoja, which is the first uplifting sign, pomoja, with gladness. And we say, you know, we then cherish that sign, the gladness, linger with that, stay with that. And keep reiterating it. So uh, one of the ways in which this is described is when one begins, when one really cultivates uh, sila and bears it in mind and considers it and, and reflects upon it and feels the certain strength that sila gives one a sense of clear boundaries, a sense of something that does stand away from unskillfulness, that does incline to what's non-abusive, what's wholesome, and then really getting the feeling of that. And uh, the Buddha said, well, someone who cultivates this quality of sila, not just keeping the laws, but actually cultivating the inner qualities of the 
of the compassion, concern, conscience, and values it and treasures it, then for them, they they need make no effort. Their sense of dismay, uh, doubt about themselves begins to melt and gladness arises. It says you need make no further determination. Gladness will arise. It's natural. This is in accordance with nature. And the word nature is dhammata, which is means a natural, naturally arising dhamma, you could say. In other words, it's not something I do. I, it happens, it comes in, there's a certain gladness. And that gladness will occur when actually that, that boundary is kept open and it's not what a nice girl I am or something, I'm a good boy, but just... I'm really relieved. I don't have to concern myself with these areas that, that you know, I don't feel very pleased with actually. And no one need fear me. Yeah, no one need fear me. They may fear me, but they don't need to. <laughs> you know, that's just a, to me such a beautiful recollection in a world of such constant violence. Well, no one need fear me. No creature need fear me. And you take that and you think, oh, if I've just done that <laughs> in this life, I'm very glad. So we dwell upon these. And our value of speech. I will not curse, gossip, backbite. Mm. And then no one need worry about what's he saying about me. What does he really think? (laughs) They can put a confidence in me. I will not betray it. If I did that in this life, just this, I would be glad. You know, and you you dwell in that, and you you distill it, so you get the full benefit of these these qualities as they as they come on into play. Uh, and then they ripen by themselves. You get a sense something lifts. Pomolja. So and then being mindful, you you stay. Mm, you stay. Somebody once t- said they regarded mindfulness being not quite now. In other words, don't move on now. Just stay a little bit longer. Bear it in mind. It's not just, oh, that's nice, but stay and let the process itself just state and ripen. Gladness and then, how does that feel? How are you taking it in? And does it do anything in your your sense of your, does your landscape change at all? Even a tiny little bit becomes less heated or less, you're not constantly sliding down the ravines. So I'm uplift. Mm. And uh, so the, the mindfulness is this ability to bear in mind, to sustain something in mind. And the, so the right effort is to, you know, from that, disengaged place, 
we begin to sense this is to be not to be followed, this is to be followed, that's your right right effort, and then the mindfulness is just staying with it. And you know, the effort is, is to just set up the trajectory you might say. This is the good one, that's your effort. Now mindfulness hold that and see how it ripens by itself. Mm. Okay. Gathering. So the energy increases, the clarity increases, and there's a degree of one-pointedness increases. One is less scrambled. Mm. This is the faculty of samadhi. The mindfulness course is, you know, one that's very commonly, much more commonly used faculty or word these days mm. to bear something in mind and uh, this can occur on, on many levels really you know you can, mm. and you're really operating a level using mindfulness where the mindfulness is led by this careful attention which says this is to be followed this is not to be followed right now. You know, it may change, but right now this is to be followed, this is not to be followed. And then, so that's the careful attention, then mindfulness stays with what is to be followed. In the case of grief and despair, then recrimination and bitterness is not to be followed. Instead, what is to be followed is compassion and so on. Yeah. So we see in a state of doubt, then one doesn't give attention to that which causes doubt. One gives attention to that which causes confidence. Mm. In the case of worry, one doesn't give more play to what should I do, what can I do, what's happening, what are we doing next year, whatever. You don't give more attention to that, you give attention to where the worry, anxiety ceases, which is, I'm here, mm. my sealer is fine, okay, I'm living in the Dhamma domain, the future will arise out of the present. If the present is good, this I know. If the present is good, then the future is going to be as good as it can be. Because the future is just the result of the present. <laughs> if you go into the worry in the, fu- in the present, then you go into the worry in the future. Hmm. The future is really just um, because the past hasn't been resolved. So, the um, often the the uh, mis mistake is we try to resolve the future, which isn't doesn't exist yet, and be, get clear and secure and safe and sorted out. Uh, but there isn't a future. I don't see any. F- I can imagine one. But what you do know, or you should know, is definitely there's a past. <laughs> there's a residue, right? And the residues, the acquisitions, and it's the irresolution in those acquisitions that arising in the present that stimulate a future. So because the past has been difficult, uncertain, insecure, uneven, uh, and so on, that heaving up, welling up, 
generates the search for a future where it will not be that way. So the past, as it, the acquisitions, as they arise in the present, are a condition for the projection of a future. So if we resolve the past, there's no future. There's just the present, which is open. The mistake is to try to resolve the future, which isn't here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, because of the acquisitions that have come around, one's acquired. Yeah, there is insecurity, there is uncertainty, there is fearfulness, uh, there is a sense of shame and guilt. Uh, okay, now that then stimulates, oh, I wish I could be, how will I ever be free from, when can I be, maybe if I went there I would be. There's the future. Mm. Now, so, picking out those signals, when you're looking into what your future, you imagine your future is, so track, where's it coming from? This is the insecurity, the sadness, the woundedness, in the pr- it's there. And that's the acquisition. And we're not going to resolve that in the future. We resolve that to the degree to which we can in a present which begins to expand. The time boundary begins to expand. This means instead of the time rushing on, the quality of disengagement cools the speed of our energy system, things begin to slow down a little. The quality of disengagement, cooling, spaciousness, that has an effect on the energy in the mind and and has an effect on the energy in the body. So this kind of turbulence, okay, step back, lift off, bubbling up, and we just keep holding the space. Don't engage with that. Don't engage with that. If you can, incline towards what is needed. Some sense of compassion is needed, groundedness is needed. And there, and then what will occur is th- these formations begin to move more slowly. This is a stilling of Sankara. They don't go completely switch off, but there's a sense in which they're no longer overheating and overcooking. And this slows down the time frame. We have more time. We no longer feel so driven forward, rushed forward, compelled to hurry up by some strange inner mechanism that we don't even have control over. We're driven by the intensities of these phenomena arising. We may think I'm a speed freak or something. No, it's not I am. It means the potentials are extremely hot and they're pushing. And it's those potencies that are overactivating the body-mind system and there's a sense of everything moving fast. And I have to, and something has to move fast to keep up with it. And I've I got to do a lot. So it all comes out of the intensities 
of the sankharas in the in the acquisitions in this field of acquisition and it's cooling I, mean, I just thought I could take possibly could take time with that you know I can trust a bit more space and openness and it's not just intellectual it's kind of embodied at a deep level in the mind so if this kind of thing, we sense some of that occurring, you can feel confident that you're in the right track. If things are going faster, then I, th- I would suggest there's some engagement happening there. <laughs> if things are speeding up, it means actually Sankara's are intensifying That's it because of some gripping. Understandable, but you want to say, can you back off? And the way you back off from that is you, you kind of, this is where you use your, your, your words, your thinking, to say, feels really speedy. Feel really speedy, feel rushed, no time, got to hurry up. Just name it to yourself. There's that sound, speedy, speedy. How is that? How is speedy? Oh, it feels like this. Uh, where is it in your body? Body, what body? <laughs> Yeah, that thing there. Oh, that. Uh, I'm sure it's the eyes, eyes, forehead. About th- any throat down there? Yeah. Oh, down, 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 body. Uh, got any chest, legs yet? Uh, got any feet? <laughs> and okay. Now, how's the word now? Speedy, speedy. Just. Oh, it's not speedy anymore. It's it's. Uh, uh, sort of agitated, agitated, but now there's a sense of containment and I feel it pulsing in my legs and I feel it vibrating in my in my chest or my belly, okay? Now, but then we've somehow we've, we've put a, a boundary around it and then we say, okay, there it is now. Okay, what do you need? Just take a breath. Hold it carefully. Take a breath, all the way out, warm, loving, holding. So I- instead of following the track of the speedy thought, like, got to sort this out, uh, this reminds me of this, and what is she talking about anyway, and da 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 da, following it, or even, oh, I should try to stop being so speedy, calm down, slow down, we name the you Vitaka, know, this gift of words. Your name, and the name, simple one word name for the whole picture or the when disenga- that helps you to disengage, to name it as one thing. So you go from diversity to simplicity. From diversity, which seems so intelligent and so much to say and is all true in its own way, but to simplicity, which says very little but gives you a mark. And then that's something I can get my mindfulness around. I can get my mindfulness around speedy and I can embody it and then I can begin to relate to it or relationship will begin to occur. Mm. And just bear that in mind, if we hold something, mindfulness is disengaged, but also it is a certain, I call it respectfulness. It means we're not saying be this, be that. It's just, okay, this is 
stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not enough for me to get in there and slap it around or push it along, just hold it. And all, all I really, my, my responsibility, if it is one, is just to send, may this be well, may this express itself. What do you want to say? How is it? This gentle, kindly relationship with, with the phenomenal world. Uh, and so this relationship will occur out of respect. Respect is a certain restraint, non-intrusion, non-criticism, non-blaming, non-trying to fix. It's just respectful attention. And then from there, you do feel you've got some ground because you're in, in that place of holding. And then, how is that? What What is needed here? And you don't know. That itself, that question itself, that is kindness. So, you know, if when we to bear in mind these these terms such as loving kindness or mindfulness and so forth, these are words, and they can easily become, you know, held by the self. In other words, the self says, okay, this looks like some metas needed, right? Pick up the word meta. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Do it. Shut up. Here's your meta. (laughs) Hey, I gave you, already gave you a heap of meta this morning. (laughs) I wasted it on you. You didn't, weren't very good at all. It's not really the thing. This we call the empty suitcase. You know, the handle's right, the suitcase is right, but there's nothing in it. <laughs> and we words are like suitcases, aren't they? And we tend to believe in, in this the suitcase is the content. <laughs> the suitcase isn't the content, the suitcase is suitcase. And you have your whatever those suitcases are. But Recognize to, to the content is called through the other faculty. You see, you need a suitcase to kind of have a handle, and this is what's needing you open the suitcase, and then that's what come that's what you that's what comes forth. So the, the opening is called vichara, which is another quality. So this is these are called the two f- two aspects of thought, you know. But just bear in mind what you th- what we consider thought to be. But certainly in the, in the Buddha Dharma, there are two features to it. One is the ability to form a label, a suitcase, and the one is the ability to unpack the suitcase and bring forth the contents. Certainly the suitcase is helpful to bring the material to where it needs to be, and then but then unzip, open it up. And so this quality of vichara is, is something like, what's it feel like? How is this? How is this? How does this feel? And it's an inquiring and uh, uh, evaluating the textures, the the senses. Uh, so then, real, really, you know, being to resonate with, you know, what is offering. 
you know, we establish relationship and then offering, inviting, curious, loving, mm. and then that's the offering and then what can come forth from that gesture. Mm. So this is speedy mind, okay, speedy, bring it to what's experienced and how is this? How is speedy? How does it feel in the body? We offer it room to express itself in this body. We don't shove it out, we don't reject it, we don't spin out on it. Or if we are doing those things, we acknowledge that. And how does rejecting feel? Can you sense that tension and that don't want? And how is that in your body? Mm. And then when you experience that, that sense of can't manage this, where are we? This sort of tension around your chest or your throat. Is it possible to just widen and soften around that? So this is an avenue in. Mm. And when we cultivate uh, mindfulness, as I'm sure you're all aware, the sense is, well, we try to cultivate mindfulness throughout the day, whether we're you know, doing our formal meditation or mopping the floor and so on. That's excellent because that's exactly uh, one it, how it should be. Um, and it means we can, we can sustain mindfulness around areas that are relatively cool. That is, I can mindfully, you know, mop a floor. Just take attention to steady, to focus on that, to be with that in a disengaged, non-panicking, non-scrambling, not I've got to be the best floor mopper, otherwise we get kicked out, uh, attitudes. So one purifies one's relationship to action. So the more that we can repurify it so that these self-tendencies, these sankara tendencies, which are there all the time, are given less and less room to activate. You know, because it's happening, they're happening all the time. So we could be mopping the floor. Whereas there's still the same sense, I've got to hurry up and get this done because we don't know why. But just because the whole, our whole potential is just so hot Everything we do carries this kind of sense to it. So, okay, well, uh, just what does what does the broom need? What does the mop need? You know, water. Yeah, squeezing the mop, taking an interest in the floor. You know, and so we're just deepening into the quality and feeling and experiencing more fully just the beauty of mopping a floor. So the, the, the vichara is you handle, you feel, you offer your presence into what you're doing and you, you feel it, you sense it. And there's beauty in mopping a floor. Yeah. And because with mopping a floor, you can be a feeling that you've done something good at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, and then, no, oh, it's a nice floor. Did good. Yeah. <laughs> 
So that's the pausing and lingering in. We offer ourselves and then as we uh, do what we do, uh, then the less we can inhibit those self-programs from taking over by applying ourselves simply to, purely to the mop, the sponge, the water and the floor. And this is, all this is emptying or depotentizing the self-sankaras. And so those are crucial. Mm. This we say is much more kind of on the external. So mindfulness is to be practiced on the body externally, internally. Mindfulness of the mind externally and internally. And these terms themselves are subject to a variety of interpretations as to what external and internal mean. Um, Ajata, Bahida, here, there, or there, here. Um, but my my own perspective on this is that the external refers to something that you know can be seen from another basis. So, for example, um, my body is breathing, so the body knows this sense of swelling and distending and energy moving around. That's what it knows. It experiences this. But I can also see the internal quality of breathing. It's felt. I'm in it. It's subjective. It's just happening. Uh, external means I can track it. There's the belly, there's the chest, there's the throat, there's the nose, or I'm staying with the back of the nose or someplace. So that means that, you know, one is almost looking at it from the outside. Yeah. So we have, uh, you know, um, we can s- kind of review an experience from a different place from where it's occurring. So, for example, mindfulness of the body externally is often described as one reviews a body this. This is bones, this is flesh, this is sinews. You know, in other words, it's a visual thing, isn't it? And in the Satipatthana it says you can see a corpse, this is body, you know, breaking up, and so on. The bodies are made of this. So they say that's kind of the external, because we'd, that's, w- that's the visual experience of the body, isn't it? It's being seen from a a visual perspective or a conceptual experience. Mm. Now, the body in itself does not experience what we see with our eyes, does it? When you you go into that, I don't know what what I look like at all. I I don't have any cognition of that. That's the internal. Externally, yeah, you can see it in a mirror, you could do a photograph of it, that's me, all right. Mm. That's the external. So we're reviewing something from a s- separate basis from where the experience is occurring. We're standing outside it, and that's helpful in, r- in some respects. The internal is where the stuff's really happening. This is where the sankharas are really very mobile, so it can be extremely, it's necessary, to because this is where we've got to do the stilling, but you know, it's also extremely potent. So, you know, so we can kind of move from the external to the internal, 
external. This is just, uh, you know, this physical body walking through a space, walking down a corridor, yes, opening the door. Now, whatever is being felt in that, you know, one feels agitated or saddened, it's something useful just to come up to the external. It's a body moving along the floor, just doing it quietly, opening a door. It just takes us an inch away from the hot spots. And so we come into that. Still, we're maintaining mindfulness. So we're not spinning out, we're maintaining mindfulness. We're moving from the external to the internal because it's cooler. And same thing with the external still. This is a body, it's not not a self. Does what it does. It's this shape, this size, this configurations of it. That's it. Who's that? So this level of the external is still to be cultivated because it gives a rise to a sense of dispassion, uh, mindfulness, it's just this. And the cooling of the, what do I look like? People think of me, kind of stuff going on. Mm. Now it's very often the case that for many people the the internal just wells up, (laughs) you know. That it wells up my fearfulness, my sense of if we've been subject to degrees of verbal or physical abuse, many people unfortunately are, that welling up, what do what people, I don't feel so good here, you know, I feel a bit nervy, because the internal is welling up and we think it's out there. You know, they're, they're, they're looking at me. So the internal wells up, comes out. It's quite natural, really, because it's soft and so, you know, intense. And then we just come back to this shape, this body. I see forms, my eyes, earth, shapes. And may no harm come. This is this. I'm in this, this is this. And just holding that, that simple ground of there's a body here, there's bodies there, until safety arises. You can only uh, really have access to metta when there's safety. You know, the first quality of, of or the first measure of, of metta and where it begins to come in is when there is safety. And safety is uh, something to keep determining. Mm. And it can be arrived at through, you know, just this This is here, the ground is beneath me, the space around me, non-obstructive, non-intrusive. You know, this kind of, if it can't be arrived at there, then we need to physically move to a place where it can be we can feel that. Without that, there's no, no, no path. Mm. But with that, then when the safety, 
the heart naturally comes out of its seizure and begins to open and the quality of metta becomes available. Mm. So external, and we can contemplate, it gives us a sense of clarity. So we can contemplate, this is the breath happening in my nose, in my chest, in my belly. I'm mindful of that, there's observation of that. And uh, it's good for that sense of just stable referencing. And as that becomes more stabilized, then we come to the internal quality. This is a swelling, suffusing, warming, cooling, subjectively felt. Subje- only the body in itself knows that. The eye cannot see it. The eye can never see a breath. Mm. But it, we can conceive it. Mm. So the inter- external is what our minds or our eyes or our imaginations can say something is and the internal is the very experience unfolding of itself with all its energies and movements. It can be the case that um, the internal domain has been so um, not tracked or traced or or apprehended uh, that uh, it's, it's very difficult to to um, to be coherent about it. And so then one maintains mindfulness externally, calming, cooling, steadying, simplifying, and that quality then re- emanates through the, the domain and we begin to feel a little more assured. And then, yeah, I do feel that sense of swelling coming up through my body, breathing in, breathing out. Mm. Now this is, a, I would suggest, this way of process of doing it, um, obviously you, you, it's my offering, um, because uh, so often, you know, I've heard so many people find a lot of difficulty with mindfulness of breathing, because mm. they try to move in too quickly, in my opinion, too fast, and go, okay, right, mindfulness of breathing, do the mindfulness of breathing, it's important practice for liberation. Uh-oh, I think here we go. <laughs> And the doer comes in, and then she kind of sits there, and she's got to hold my back up, okay, and then I try to focus on the breathing. Where are you supposed to focus on it? Uh, nose, okay. And then struggling with all these thoughts and moods and feeling really pretty tense, struggling with it. I really put a lot of effort into holding the tension on that point and building up. I'm really struggling with that tension. I, I lost it. Dang it. I'm a stupid idiot. Get back there. And it's this whole thing. Oh no. <laughs> Here we go. Um, <laughs> you're in the territory. <laughs> and what hasn't been <laughs> actualized is the disengagement and the potentizing of the faculties, the indriya and the bojanga that can, can do the work. So it comes in the self does it, self tries to do it, and the self carries all its toxic or acquired programs with it, and it places all that into the body, and the body fights back. <laughs> yeah. 
because it knows it knows that and it knows how much damage that that thing does to it and it resists and then something as simple as breathing in and out becomes extraordinarily difficult because the body doesn't want you mm. so that sense of respect because mm. this you know that the self that's been subject to these difficult influences is often pushy, forceful, um, uh, infused with all kinds of wrong programs. Uh, it is, you know, saturated with many uh, dissonant programs and it does quite a lot of harm to ourselves and to others, to our bodies, to our minds. It drives us, it forces us, it shuts us up. It complains about us, it compares us with others, it does all kinds of nasty things to us. You know, and the body knows that. So when you put that in there, the body kind of can, see, can seize up. Mm. And you just push harder, and it doesn't like the willpower coming in, because that tightens the body up. So this sense of shifting from that to something more respectful relationship and then, okay, you know, well, maybe mindfulness of breathing isn't on the, isn't on the agenda for today, okay? So what are we going to do? We just sort of sit and, you know, sit here, feel the body, maybe at peace, uh, reflect upon people who, who we feel grateful for, um, reflect upon the quality of virtue, degree to which we can uh, resonate with that, reflect upon the quality of the Buddha and there is goodness in the world and chant a little. You know, and this is standard, um, you know, practice in many cultures. And then, then things feel, ah, you know, the, the disengagement has occurred. There is the faculties, the quality of sati and pamoja. The pamoja is arising Gladness is arising, ah, the energy is arising. I think now, ah, this has arisen in me. How wonderful. Uh, and then we can take that in. So these, these potencies are not self. They come from a different domain, the Dhamma domain. They're not self. And to enter the Dhamma domain, we enter through that, through this process, disengagement, respectful, waiting for the signs, the gladdening, the warming, the kindling, and taking our time to invite or to be invited in and feel and sense you know, and learn from what the body can tell us. So, for this for your practice today,